Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, Matt, fellow adventurers, it's time to continue... With Scavenger's Last Hunt, we're moving on to part five, Stokebrook. We're going to find out just what's been happening here. And it's probably not that everyone's having a party. Probably something a lot less pleasant for all concerned. At the conclusion of the previous part, the miles an hour slip away as your horse carries you swiftly along the snaking highway that plunges ever deeper into the golden wood. Once more, you find yourself in a quandary over your next course of action as you weigh the benefits offered by a decent night west for you and your steed against those inherent in pressing on without delay to your destination. As you approach a sharp bend in the road, a, le- a leaning signpost comes into view. The weathered stein indicates you're about to pass into Stokebrook. Realising that you must now make your decision, you hurriedly begin to consider all possibilities. But the sight that greets your eyes as you round the curve makes the choice a simple one. And now. Several hours ago. Robert, left, left. The sorcerer's warning. A shout that rose above the clamour of battle went unheeded. The young man, for whom her desperate cry was intended, suddenly pitched forward, the back of his skull crushed by the savage blow of a relentless, iron-handed foe, Coratel, her left arm shattered and a potent magic beginning to splutter, now stood alone against the merciless tide of Otorok. A fearless and deadly legion, no longer under her control. Oh dear, oh dear, that's bad, that is bad. Without a second thought, the sorceress retreated into the shadows of the meeting house. She slammed and barred the door and sunk back against the far wall, grimacing between ragged, heavy breaths as she hurriedly contemplated what easily might prove to be the last moment of her life. With her eyes closed, she allowed herself a moment to curse Rubier's death. 
he was a staunch ally in a fight that neither of them had expected to win. She hadn't wanted to come here for a rendezvous that seemed to have all the trappings of a well-laid stare. But Wu Bei was afraid. Wu terrified was nearer the mark. He had long since run out of places to hide. Alone, hunted, and near starving, Wu Bei sought, sought the sorcerer's companionship and protection. Little knowing, the renegade master maid shared much of his desperation, and that her indomitable spirit had at last began to stagger beneath the pressing strain of the long, grim business in which they were both hopelessly embroiled. If Rubert suspected her distress, it did nothing to deter him. He seemed content to trust in the might and wisdom of the maid who, alone, had dared strike back against what he, and so many others saw as the growing tyranny of Aruan. At least, they had found the village deserted. There weren't any bodies. The people must have fled upon catching sight of the wood, an iron fiend stalking silently through the small hamlet. How terrifying it must have been for them, as those thoughts drifted through his cluttered mind. Through her cluttered mind, she suddenly wished that she too had fled. Now she was too weak, too hopelessly weary to even consider it. Coratel exhaled. Despite the unexpected and dire turn of events, she couldn't prevent a faint, faint smile from slowly spreading between the creases that lined her gaunt, chiselled face. In that instant, she was suddenly and profoundly thankful. She shuddered to think that her grisly demise was likely imminent, but took immediate solace in the realisation that now, at what seemed to be the very end, much of what had long puzzled her was suddenly uncannily clear. Glancing down at her blood-spattered cloak, she took note of a, of a thin red paw forming beneath her left foot. She couldn't recall what had opened the gash on her legs, but such details were no longer important. Tyramie was dead. She had made certain of it. And his passing, she prayed, would beget the sundering of a shameful, twisted, twisted legacy. The unravelling of a vile web of treachery and deceit. She took no pleasure in his death, but neither did she regret ending his life. His his end, long anticipated and unavoidable, was the bittersweet conclusion of a treacherous chapter in a story that began long ago and a world again. Okay, Timony, he was the one that set me off, that sent me to Ashlar. So, I guess he's the one that snitched. And using... By just picking certain facts and ignoring others and probably making up a few things, made it so Coratel had to run away, had to get away from the from from the headquarters of the Grey Circle, and somehow ended up in Fogborough, where was where the maze, which was where the maze is. So she was going to have to go there. But was then stuck there by a death curse, which 
she seems to have somehow completely avoided. Although, admittedly, it's only Tim and me who told me there was a death curse. So maybe there was no death curse at all. Maybe Timony was just making up the entire thing. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps most important to enemies, as well as she could discern, did not yet have the book. If Rubir had been white, the man in possession of the tome had sensed the impending danger and fled. Neither she nor Rubir were ever entirely certain of the book's significance. But the sheer size of the force that had ambushed them here meant it was likely that someone of less desirable intentions was. I have book. Hmm. What could the book do? Well, we had, we had some pretty ominous books back in Proving Ground 6. So if it's anywhere near as deadly as those books, we'd better deal with it pretty, pretty quickly. Hmm. Coratel drew a deep breath and renewed her grip on her staff. The ominous, muffled sound of the Otua gathering outside the meeting house filtered through the heavy slab and reached her ears. The sorceress straightened herself up and fixed her gaze on the lone portal as the first dull thud shook its ancient timbers. The smile returned to her face as she fondly recalled her last an only known attempt on the Grey Mage life. Grey Mage's life. Whoa. Whoa. Killing the Grey Mage now. Whoa. A plot doomed to failure before it was even fully conceived, but an endeavour nevertheless satisfying for its lack for the lack of success. Her flight into Flogbor had been a costly mistake but the time to woo the poor choices of the last several years had long since passed. The door shook. A loud thud sent a series of reverberations through the wooden barrier. An even louder thud followed, and a thin crack appeared down the centre of the door's broadest plank. Just for a moment, as she struggled to block out the pain now shooting through her wounded leg and broken arm, she recalled the chamber deep in the labyrinth, the battle with the great sludge beast, and a meeting with the one man around whom the entirety of this ancient puddle, puzzle seemed to resolve. She clearly remembered tossing him the amulet, and was suddenly mindful of the very thought that had served to console her in the dark days that followed her discovery of the book subsequent finding of the throne and the uncovering of a secret that would serve to turn a troubled, troubled word on it, world on its head. The notion, simple yet profound, was what had long kept her going as she sought to undo a calamity in the making, a disaster set in motion, to her mind quite necessarily by her own actions. There is always hope. The sharp snap of splintering wood, followed by a shuddering groan, sounded through the hall as the shattered door collapsed inward. In the broad opening stood more than a dozen tall, thin fingers, their awkwardly jointed bodies of wood and iron, silhouetted against the pale, late afternoon sky. Cortel, her face drawn, 
her drawn face bearing expression betrayed only the onset of exhaustion. Leaned heavily on her staff and struggled to gather enough strength for one last stand. Moving silently, their faceless heads pivoting atop their thin, thin iron necks, the Oteruk crossed the threshold. Now, will she survive? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, she might. I mean, I might just burst in on her pretty shortly. But this was several hours ago, so... I don't think I'm in time to save her. I mean, maybe she, maybe she finds a way to run, but... Hmm. She may well be doomed. Which is a pity, because I really hope to have a few adventures alongside her. Yes, and against all against the sort of mess that's happening here, I need all the help I can get. The present. Without a second thought, you leap from the sa- saddle and hit the ground running. Your horrified graze locked on a bloodied man, attempting to stagger to his feet in the middle of the road, surrounding him. Their relentless blows raining down with deadly precision. Precision are three Oterok. Shouting frantically, you manage to divert the attention of the trio of wood and iron beings from their battered prey. The Oterok, having quickly identified you as a bigger threat or a more valuable target, immediately turn and stride silently in your direction. As the man regains his footing, his white hand clapped over a bloodied gash on the side of his head. He produces an iron wad and begins slowly mo- moving up behind the advancing Oterok. Shouting for him to stay back, you defiantly engage the first of the three. It's an Oterok. Just going to quick combat that. It is slain. 17 XP. You leap over the remains, shattered remains of the first Oterok and engage the second. It is number two. Quick combat. Just stored a 20, 17 XP. Breathing heavily, you narrowly dodge a vicious swipe by the last Oterok. Undeterred, the fiendish being of iron and wood, its fleshless head slowly pivoting, presses forward and attacks. Oterok, 3 of 3, quick combat, it is slain. 17 XP. By the old father, are you alright? The bloody man who suddenly realises much older than you originally thought, ambles up and takes hold of your white arm, only releasing his grip as you repeatedly assure him that you're fine. He turns around and look, looks at the twisted, splintered remains of the Oatrock before turning his wide-eyed gaze to you. I came back to see what I could, he said, motioning in the direction of the village. From there, from there looks to be little more than a small collection of collection of wooden stone structures just ahead, the edge of the world. Not a day to be visiting Stonebrook, friend. After quickly doing what you can to tend to the man's wounds, you ask him what he's just said and learn that a large number of Oatrock descended upon the village just after dawn today. These things come out of the forest, he says, waving his hands over the remains of the Oatrock. They just stood about in the centre of anything. It's almost like they were waiting for something. 
our protector got everyone out before something could happen. Thankfully, there weren't many of them. We're all off in the woods now. Well, most of us. The man who introduces himself as Prefwim tells you that only the innkeeper, Ombre, and his family, his wife and two, and two small children are missing. It's believed they may be hiding somewhere in the Stoke Nook, the village inn. Oh, I am going to the inn. <laughs> but probably I'm not going to have time to take some take any ale what with all the fighting I'm going to be doing and knowing these Otorup they probably smashed the casks perhaps uh, anyway you can't you can't you can't have ale you can't you can't have you can't have a ale without the tavern keep that'd be ridiculous Prithin tells you that one that once everyone was a safe distance from the village Stokebrook's protector Home Lane Blackwing quickly organised a small party to return and search for the innkeeper and his family. You learn that Heimler and his band of three men, rugged woodsmen from the outskirts of the village, never returned. We begged him not to go, says Prethen. It was a fool's errand. The Stoke, the Stoke, the Stoke Nook's got more holes and tuckaway spots than you can count. Alden Brown and his family know them all. That's what they should. Not even those cre- these creatures could find them if they've hidden away in the inn. Shouldn't have gone. I came to see to see if I could find out what's happened. And well, you hadn't come along when you did. Your first instinct upon learning of the missing people, who may be a- yet be alive somewhere in the village, is to announce you'll go after them. Immediately quelling the notion is a desire to press on with your mission, without further endangering it. Despite your sudden misgivings about getting involved with the dire scenario that's apparently unfolded in Stonebrook, something, apart from the obvious of the Otorok, tells you that what's happened here is is somehow at the very heart of the very business in which you're entangled. You ask Prithin some questions and discover several other villagers, villagers departed, seeking help from a nearby border through outpost, while the West remained camped out in the woods. This news, which brings you a small level of relief, measure of release, relief is quickly tempered by, by Prithin's description of the Otorok invaded Stokebrooks. There must have been 50 of them or more, she says. He says, <laughs> sorry about the sudden gender change. I didn't count them, mind, but I saw a great many. I hate to think it, but I don't hold out much help for Heimler and the lads. Not not with those things still about. I mean, those things must be in there or lurking about. If these things, if these three are any indication, your mind is made up before you finishes speaking. When you tell... Tell Prefram that you will make your way into the village. See if you can find and rescue Hamlio and the others. His eyes widen and he stammers something as he nods. Wouldn't suggest it, he says, apparently unnerved by a bold proposal. But I can see you know how to handle yourself. Very well, in fact. <laughs> have you seen anything like this before? What I mean is to say, have you seen these 
things before. Okay, so I can tell him I've encountered them before, or I haven't. Yeah, the thing is, I think everyone who really wants to get me knows I fought Otoruk. And... Admit, admit, admit this... I mean, it might endanger my mission, but... I'll probably be long gone before he can blabber. Oh, right, tell him I've encountered Otorok before. You briefly describe for preference several of your past encounters with the Otorok, though you reveal nothing relating to your mission. He listens intently as you detail some, some of their more sinister traits. But the old father watch over you, he says, suddenly dripping into a respectful brow. I'll go... I'll go back to the others and let them know the lay of it. Uh, thank you, uh, um, I don't believe I even know your name. So, so I can tell him my name. Now, okay, that is dangerous. Because, I mean, if he tells me my name, he'll tell others, and then he, and Woundskin and everyone else that is engaged in it have a lot of spies. And a lot of magical means means to to spot, check on things remotely. So if they reveal my name, revealed I'm here, and then that'll give them time to set up an ambush on my likely paths and all sorts. Uh, so I'm just gonna, so I could tell him my name. I think that's dangerous. Make up a name, or refuse to give him any name. Uh, I don't feel like lying, and also, if I make up a name, it's probably going to be obvious that a name has been made up. And then, then that'll just make people more obvious that there's something going on. Just refuse to give him any name. Prithin nods, and quickly apologises for her inquiry. You're right, of course, he says, his face suddenly red. These are the sort of days that one ought to not go about spilling all to strangers. As wrong to pry, quite wrong. You assure him that you took no offence and no apology is necessary. Your reassurance but seems to bring him no small measure of relief. And also, being the nameless hero that's turned up and saved the day, it's cool. As you prepare to depart, eager to enter Stokebrook, an attempt to discover why Otruk had descended upon the Wava and the Oculus Hamlet. Prithin details for you the seven people that are missing, and presumed to be somewhere within within the village. Odebra, his wife, Tulia, their daughters, Kribli and Jan, are likely in the inn. Odebra's got hiding spots in there. I'd prefer to say nothing more about that, but I wager that's where they are. As oft as not, They'll be safe if, if they don't come out. Hemler went went in there with went in there with Widridge, Jod, and Nifrin. Uh, continues to pray for all of them. And you wait. That's eight people. Let's see: innkeeper, wife, two daughters, Hemler, Hemler, Weird, Weird, Jod, and Niblin. Right, that's eight. Oh well. Realizing the further delay will only prove costly, 
You bid Prithrin farewell, promising to do what you can to see to the safety of his fellow villagers. Then, without another word, you warily make your way in to Stokebrook. You're standing in what could be described as the centre of Stokebrook. Here, next to a large wooden sculpture of a bear, and now a cart leading into the village. Splits into three smaller lanes that wind their way through the west of the settlement. An eerie quiet hangs over this place. Despite having not having seen any sign of Otrup that supposedly still infests the village, you vow to remain on your guard as you begin your search for the missing. So, got four options now. Investigate the Stoke Nook Inn, investigate the stables, investigate the smithy, and investigate some nearby homes. I'm going to save the inn for last. Investigate some nearby homes, suddenly. Before you take a dozen steps, the door of a nearby structure flies open, and three men garbed in a mix of cloth and studded leather stepped out onto the lane. Upon seeing you, all three promptly promptly freeze. Then, as if having overcome a sudden shock, they swiftly retreat into the building and close the door. You immediately start towards the structure from which the men emerged, hoping you've just discovered three of the missing villagers. Seconds late, however, when the door again swings open, your hope is unceremoniously dashed against what you realise is now the grim reality in Stokebrook. Four Otrok, moving swiftly and silently, spill out through the open door and start towards you. As you quickly attempt to determine your next course of action, a soft crunch on the stony ground at your back alerts you to a new danger. Moving up, up behind you, spread out, spread out to cut off any hope of escape, are four more of the sinister wood and iron beings. With no way to evade your advancing foes, you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance and prepare to engage the fearsome legion now closing in all around you. The first of the Otorok, its iron-tipped arm poised to strike, strides into melee range. It's an Otorok, it is one of eight. Just going to quick combat that. It is slain, 17 XP. And then I heal. The, the Otorok collapses into a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet. You hold your ground and engage the next Otorok. Quick combat it. 17 XP. The Otorok collapses into a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet. Here's the next one. Number 3. 17 XP. The Otorok collapses into a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet. You turn to face your next foe, only to find the iron-tipped end of an oaken arm speeding towards your head, picking a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility. 10 for more. 10 from luck. Gotta get 60 or more. Oh, I get clonked on the head. Pick now. 95. Success. You duck under the Otorok's attack and swiftly counter. Hold your ground and engage the next Otorok. Quick combat it. It is slain. There's so much firewood now. The Otorok collapses into a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet. You turn to face your next foe, only to find the iron-tipped end of an oaken arm sprinting, speeding towards your head. It's the same check again. Pick now. 
118 success. You duck under the Okurok's attack and quickly counter. Hold your ground and engage the next Okurok. Number 5. Quick combat. 17 XP. There's, here's number 6. Quick combating that one. The penultimate Okurok. Unless, of course, more of them turn up, which... Considering this is Oturak I'm fighting, it is quite likely. Quick combat. Alright. With your lungs aching, you step forward and engage the last of the Oturak. Quick combat. It is slain. Just 14 XP. I guess it didn't have time to scale. The Oturak collapses into a heap of splintered wood and twisted iron at your feet. As you step away from the remains of the last Oturok, a massive explosion shakes the ground, nearly knocking you off your feet. Your ears winging. You turn to your left and stare in horror at the broad, smoking crater, now straddling the edge of the lane. The thick plume of smoke billowing out of the jagged impression begins to dissipate, and you immediately spot a lone man lurking at the corner of a nearby building. The man his face turned towards you, but his features mostly obscured by the smoke that continues to rise out of the crater. Holds both of his hands above his head. A blazing fall. Blore of red and orange flame instantly takes form between his outstretched fingers. With what sounds like a painful gasp, the man flings his arms forward, hurling the deadly spear of fire at you. So, I've got some options now. Dodge which is a sensible thing to do. Because generally, if someone's throwing a fireball at you, don't just stand there. You don't just stand there and go... Oh, I'm on fire now. Hmm. That is quite unpleasant. Let's probably do something about it. I could use telekinesis, shadow magic... Elementalism or fortification? Mm, haven't used telekinesis in a while. Give that a go. It succeeded. 24 XP to telekinesis. You summon your power of telekinesis and focus it on a large wooden bear sculpture only a few yards away. In a remarkable display of ma- mind over matter, you nevitate the weighty statue and hurl it into the path of the streaking fireball. The spear, the spear of flame slams into the wooden sculpture and explodes. The force of impact sends, the spra- sends you sprawling backwards into the ground. Wasting no time, you scramble to your feet. Despite having been badly shaken by the explosion, you're otherwise unharmed. Sadly, the same cannot be said for the bear sculpture. The long-standing symbol of Stokebrooks is now little more than a scattering of charred embers. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, I think uh, I'm going to have to commission a new one. A new one when this is all over. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm incredibly wealthy. The unknown assailant again begins to raise his arms, only to promptly lower them disappear around the corner of the building. Uncertain whether or not you should pursue him, your momentarily dilemma is resolved for you when half a dozen Otoroks suddenly pour out of the nearby smithy. 
the sinister bang quickly surrounds you and attacks. Oterok, one of six. Quick combat. 14 XP. Duotruk collapses into a heap at your feet. Barely a moment to catch your breath. You turn and engage the next of the wood and iron fiends. Here's number two. Alright. Here comes number three. 17 XP. Number four. We're more than halfway there. Well, through this, this part of them. There'll be more. There's always more Otuak. That's just how it works. Here's the Promotomat. Stepping over the remains of the destroyed Otuak, you boldly engage the last of the wood and iron fiends. Ah well, at least... At least it's not going to be hard to find new war materials to make a new statue with. <laughs> it's not a draw. Otuak. Six of six. Yeah. You think that that would be poetic? Make, making making a new statue out of the remains of, of the monsters that destroyed it. Well, 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 well were part of the destruction. They didn't destroy it themselves. I'm sure they're affiliated somehow. Quick combat. Slain your foe. 14 XP. You exhale sharply and take a step back as the last of the Oshawak, for now, collapses at your feet. You've only just stepped away from the remains of the light Oshawak when a broad arc of lightning tears past on your white, and its sharp crackle assailing your ears as its deadly charge singes the air. Looking up, you find yourself confronted by the three men you first saw retreat into the building. They're advancing... The advancing men spread out and slow their approach, while their steely gazes remain firmly fixed on you. Maybe you know where to find the book? Says the man in the centre of the encroaching trio. His deep voice edged with a harsh, threatening tone. Or maybe you already have it. Which is it? The man addressing you suddenly raises his right hand and thrusts it towards you. His entire arm trembles as thin tines of blue lightning wrap themselves around his fingers. The two, two men flanking him also raise their hands, each of them levelling their sprayed fingers at you. You know what? I'm starting to suspect these people are not innocent villagers. It's just a suspicion. So I've got a few, op few options here. Attempt to escape, attack them. Or attempt to reason with the three men. Yeah, I'll give reasoning a go. If it doesn't work, I can just fight them. But first, heal myself a bit, just in case it doesn't work. Alright, picking a number. Bonus to 40. 20 from mind, 20 from diplomacy. Gotta get 100 or more, or presumably they'll just start to attack me. Pick now. 82, failure. Your bold attempt to reason with the three men has failed. As the men continue to advance, you wholly attempt to determine your next course of action. Attack or escape? Attack. The moment you start towards them, the three men raise their hands and thrust them towards you, unleashing three broad arcs of lightning. 
the deadly blasts of energy streak through the air towards you. Right, picking a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility. 10 from body. 10 from luck. Going to get 60 more. Wow, that's a quite shocking result. No. Okay, pick now. 134. Success. You nimbly and narrowly, well, not that narrowly, dodge the first arc of lightning. All right. Same to again, but 65. Pick now. 129. You spit success. You twist to your side, narrowly dodging the lightning blast by mere inches. Okay, now I've got to get 70. Pick now. 101. Success. You dive under the third arc of lightning, instinctively throwing your hands over the back of your head as the deadly energy surge passes. As you return to find the three men, quite unexpectedly, seem to pay you no mind as they begin to argue among themselves. The sound of their angry voices is quickly drowned out by by the screaming howl of a fierce wind that subtly tears along the lane. Seeding your eyes from the tempest of dust seared up by the wind, you watch as an extraordinary sight unfolds. Hmm. They're arguing. They're fighting, uh, they're fighting each other right now. Hmm. These probably aren't, aren't formal soldiers. They're probably just wag, a ragtag band. Just They just... They've heard that someone, possibly several someones, want the book. They're trying to get it. And they're arguing, you know, is this really worth the bother? You're just going to get us killed, you stupid head. No, you're a stupid head. No, you're a stupid head. Your head is very stupid. And so is your neck and your body and your arms and your legs. They're all stupid. Something like that. (laughs) What am I seeing? A swirling, dust-choked wind encircles the three men. As the wind intensifies, the already indistinct figures of the men vanish completely within the churning heart of the waging gale. Moments later, when the wind abruptly ceases and the dust settles, there is no longer any sign of the trio. It's that precise moment you hear the first of its footfalls. Okay. Is it a giant Otorok? Oh, yes. (laughs) You whip your head to the north, following the sound of the heavy steps. There, moving slowly along the lane, its massive, faceless head pivoting unsteadily atop its thick iron neck, is a towering Otorok. The massive wooden iron being suddenly draws to a halt. The next instant, the giant Otorok Nearly three times the size of its man-sized counterparts is swiftly bearing down on you. Fearing any attempt at flight will end in you being crushed beneath its broad feet, you you boldly draw yourself into a combat-ready stance and hold your ground. This is a towering Otorok. And And its torso is going to be used to make the new bear statue. You know, after after it stopped, you know, moving about and stuff. But that 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 was just that's just a small business. Quick combat! It is slain. Forty-two XP. 
Your final blow sends a series of violent tremors through the towering Oterok. With a reverberating groan, the giant being of wood and iron staggers forward, then topples over, falling directly towards you. Okay, okay, uh, so leap to safety. Element, elementalism, destruction, fortification, or telekinesis. Well, I've tried telekinesis before, and I don't want to use elementalism or destruction, because I want the wood intact for carving the new bear statue. So I'll use fortification. It succeeded. 24 XP to fortification. You hastily channel your power fortification without a se- Without a second to spare, a shimmering band of blue energy arcs over you. The toppling remains of the Oterok smash into your magical barrier and slide harmlessly to the ground. With no time to dwell on your victory, you step back from the remains of the giant Oterok and immediately begin to plot your next move, still determined to do what you can to rescue the six people that may be somewhere in the village. You're about to set off when something hard and sharp presses firmly against your spine. Looks like our paths have crossed again, snarls a low, masculine voice from behind you. Tell me, friend, what brings you to Stokebrook? And that finishes this scenario for 256 experience to general. And, well... We're gonna find we're gonna find out just who this person is in the next episode. And until then the next episode which is called Paths Cross. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.